All right, everybody, welcome to the Fundamentalists Podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan. I'm here with Dr. Peter Rollins. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. This is the last time we are going to be talking about UFOs please for a God, very, very please, long time. Please, dear God. Pete's been praying. He's been, he's been submitting to the Lord. He's been saying, please. He's been petitioning. He's been saying, uh, please, God, don't make Elliot talk about this again. However, I think it's worthy doing a follow-up because we did a previous episode on UFOs, so maybe it doesn't sound so exhausting for you guys. Uh, but if you would like to see that episode, part one of this, you can go to patreon.com slash the fundamentalists. We have it up there, as well as a paper uh, that I wrote uh, about the UFO thing, and I'm just fascinated by this whole thing. And one of the things that I was recently very fascinated about was a question posed by Peter. But before we dive all into that, Peter, how are you doing? I am doing good. I, by the way, I suppose the reason why it feels like a lot is we did we did an episode and then that got deleted. Yeah. And we did another episode, that's for patrons only, and then this is the third episode. You're right. Uh, maybe that's it. Too. And I lace it into yeah. most conversations. It doesn't yeah, take yeah. long for me to steer it to, well, you know, the aliens. I know. Uh, but you, you know promised, you said, the ne- the ne- we'll only do another episode when they land. When Was they land. <laughs> when they land. Whenever one of them knocks on my door. Yes. Then we'll do another episode after this. I like the idea of an alien finally landing and being like, I have to find Peter, mm. uh, I need to talk to him about things, which I could see happening, and I think you guys would have a really good conversation. I would love that. I think yeah. it'd be fascinating. <laughs> have him on the podcast. Um, well, it's it's what is it Thursday now? Yeah. So it's Thursday at eleven. Yeah. So what's we're been doing... going on? What's been happening with you? Oof. I've been getting a tan. People have been noticing. Yeah, you've been doing great. You've been very. You look uh, and you've been exercising. I've been exercising every day, and I've been sunbathing. Yeah, and I thought. I mean, last hurrah, try and look good. Yeah, yeah, um, it's all downhill anyway. Yeah, it's all downhill You're from, just from like 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 Um, and you've been, what kind of working out have you been? Well, so, you know, little and often, that's my philosophy. Absolutely. All weights. I, I like weights. I, don't, I hate the cardio. See, running gets so oh, bored. Oh, awful. Podcasts just don't give you the uh-uh. the oomph. But, um, you say yeah, podcasts? Yeah, I listen you? to podcasts. Oh, I see. It's yeah. very boring. To, you know, when you're running. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also it just makes me sick to my stomach every time. I'm like, oh, you got to get better at this. But yeah, the weightlifting is, is definitely fun. Yeah. But you, so I'd be doing like 30 minutes a day. Sometimes I go twice a day. Like I'll go in the morning and then I'll go in the evening and just do say 30, 30 minutes, 40 like minutes. And that's it. It's feels nice. It feels nice. You still waking up early? Oh, yeah. Oh, so early. It's unbelievable. Like, I'm I'm embarrassed at how early I Sometimes I wake up at 4 a.m. Wow, that's yeah. the middle of the night. Yeah, I was still dark, and then I'll get up, and I'll try and sleep to five, you know? Yeah, when I wake up at four, I'm like, ooh, I got nine hours left to sleep. Mm. That's p- perfect, which I guess is like 1 p.m. or something. I but don't things know. are starting to open up again, so I'm starting to get invited out to things, so maybe that's going yeah. to change as I have things to do in the evening, you know? Yeah, it's definitely become like that. It's uh, I've had to, I went and did comedy shows in Tacoma and Spokane. Mm. Thank you to everybody who came out. Uh, thank you to everybody who said hi. Uh, regarding the fundamentalists as well, that was very sweet. One person... Um, I don't have my trademark mustard coat, but inside it is a note that someone wrote you. Yeah, she reached out to me actually on Instagram, and I'm going to respond. I just saw it this morning. I'm saying, and I was going to say to her, Elliot has told me that I've got the note, but has not delivered it. It's a book recommendation. I'd love to see that. Yes, it looks like an excellent book. Speaking of book recommendations. Is it the Book of Mormon? It is the Book of Mormon. Um, So now here's the deal. Yeah, here's the deal. The other day, Saturday, Pete proposed a very difficult question, which is why is it, Elliot, that you are into this UFO stuff? And I was like, well, because they're aliens and that's cool. But really, I started thinking about it and I was like, what is it about it that I find so interesting? And I was like, I think it's about the belief of it. The fact that it's got that, um, it's belief combined with this desire to rely upon science and rationalism to be able to deduce the truth about something. And I find it just utterly compelling. And I find it to be the one of the more fun uh, areas of belief that are currently um, being sort of or spreading right now. And so I then, first of all, I've gone back and forth and I, I've landed, I think, uh, quote unquote, no pun intended, where I think I have my stance on it uh-huh. uh, and I'm very excited about it. However, this is not to say that I know anything or that I know that UFOs do or don't exist. I think that the whole place is filled with charlatans. We've discussed this a little bit, but I re- got this book, dude. Yeah. All right, now this book is I brought here to show us as a show and tell. Before you show up, can I say, because I feel like we should give a tiny um, summary of what we covered in the Patreon just to fit it in, which is, we talked about 
the for and against of the, we talked about like how, how do you explain these, these videos and photographs. And then we talked a little bit about the, the, the desire to believe or yes. desire not to believe. And so, and I think we kind of gave out our positions a little bit in that last episode. We don't need to tell people what they are, but they're all in the other episode. Yeah. Um, so, and I think people could probably deduce, I mean, we could summarize you, you, you did, you take more of a skeptical approach to there being, um, for some reason, you take a skeptical approach to there being alien visitors from another planet who've been remaining secret and being hidden from the government for decades and decades following shortly after World War II. For, I don't get it. Uh, I obviously am the more rational, correct one in that, yeah, um, they're crypto terrestrials that have been living alongside us for millennia and have evolved, you know, underwater. And that's You're what lizard a lot of people. Them, and they are lizard people. They live on the dark side of the moon and they come to visit us and they do experiments on us and we are cattle to them and they've mixed our DNA with them from the, you know, and the earth is hollow. <laughs> and the earth this hollow it's all very like was not to believe uh but uh you sort of went through um the different uh debunking theories on certain videos that i find very compelling such as boca boki boca the boca effect yeah. boca effect parallax effect. effect yeah illusion yeah. um there's another one too right there's just the gimbal rotations gimbal. oh yes yeah, yeah. yeah how the cameras rotate it can make something look like it's rotating uh more than it actually is but I also know that, yeah, people have supposedly kind of, well, have pushed back on those. Uh, I, yes. I, I saw one person push back on them. I thought they were quite convincing, but the people have been pushing back. They have been pushing back. It, it does kind of, um, both, I think it's a plausible uh, skepticism against those skeptics because I think that, uh, you know, you I guess you kind of, I mean, we can dive into this, but you kind of have to assume the people that are going like, yeah, we don't know what that is, are familiar with the Boca effect and would be able to debunk it before it got very far, especially if they're in the military. You see, that's what you I'm what not I mean? so sure about. Because I would be like, I'd be more, I think photographers are the ones to have that conversation. I think yeah. if you're in the military, you're still, you're you more, think- in fact, you're more trained to say whatever you see. Like, I think you're more... I don't, yeah, I'm not convinced by that argument that if you're a military fighter pilot, you'll be aware of the ins and outs of camera illusions. But yeah, maybe, you would. maybe a single person, but I don't know. I don't know about everyone getting together and being like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And none of them being like, maybe we should talk to someone who's a photographer. Like yeah. it just seems not very plausible that they wouldn't reach out. Yes. Well, that's a, that's the case. I'm, I'm surprised at that. Like I, that's where I go, okay, there must be, because... Yeah, they, they haven't. They, even the report, which you've read and read yeah. in detail, is, doesn't kind of, only says that there's one that they are confident they have an explanation for. Isn't that right? And most of them, they still don't know for sure. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to try to find a, a summary of it. And there's certain, okay. There's, By the way, yes, I, I derailed you, but... Uh, the no, book, no, that's that. totally fine. Yeah, uh, that's exactly correct. Yeah, the, the, um, the report has come out. That's the big difference between this episode and the previous episode where obviously everybody was like oh this is going to be huge uh and then other people were like this is going to be very disappointing and i would say it's like exactly what everyone should have expected it's nine pages of people being like yeah there's the stigma around it we're collecting more data we're collecting it between 2004 and 2020 i think or something like that um and there's certain incidences in the report that are pretty wild sounding to me but at the same time they're doing the thing that any report like this would do which is go please give us more money and we'll tell you Uh, yeah uh and i love that i think absolutely if you do if you're good at something never do it for free and apparently they're good at being like we don't know and i think that's a great way to uh to get to get money just being like yeah, this is a this is a to be bad. if you if you're bad at something, don't do it for free. It's like we don't know. We haven't. We need more data. We yeah. need more information. <laughs> we need more data. Yeah. yeah. It turns out these are uh, unidentified. Now, um, so here's where I, I'm at currently. I've watched a few documentaries since this uh, thing has happened, and that's always a fun way to go down a crazy wormhole because documentaries are like. I would argue one of the least trustworthy sources of any information yes, you could yes, possibly yes, get. Yes, uh, and I watched this one dude uh, called Mirage Men. Have you heard of this? No. Oh man. Okay. Well, it's free on YouTube for people who want to see it. It's about this dude named Richard Doty who worked for the government and he was a trained liar. He was a trained spreader of disinformation. Now this has been, 
this part, I guess, is true. He, he, it is proven that he worked for the government. And he, over the course of a, a little bit of time, was uh, found this guy uh, where he was stationed who was outside of it. He was a good, you know, hearted, smart um, inventor, sort of eccentric guy who really, really believed in, in UFOs and really believed that they were um, happening. He started intercepting communications from military base. Can't do that. That's very, that's a no-no. So what they did was they, uh, or he did rather, they, he somehow uh, told this person that, yeah, uh, there's UFOs. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you got, you better look out and actually you better keep tracking this stuff. And they kind of wanted to see what info he had, what info he was getting from the military base. They were essentially using him. Um, the guy started to become, as a result, more and more obsessed with the UFO phenomenon, which is another aspect of this that I think is very captivating. It, it, it has a tendency to suck people in like a wormhole, uh, and you see that happen. And I've sensed it and been like, all right, take a break, go sit down, basically. <laughs> and this guy went, um, uh, he killed himself, basically. It destroyed wow. his life, and the um, government played a, a hand in it because they were feeding him misinformation. They would um, put hubcaps uh, in different places and take pictures and so you see, you know you see look and what was their purpose in doing this again <sighs> he explains it and it's sort of like spreading disinformation the theory is that spreading disinformation about ufos would uh keep the guy off the actual truth mm. quote unquote that the government had prototypes and was doing um test runs with different things and that's what he was saying oh, yeah 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 now I have a little conspiracy theory that we could get into later to just Which is my why they, they did that as a double bluff. A double bluff. <laughs> exactly. And I think it was a triple bluff. This now we're in the triple bluff. Yeah. Um and so but this this whole thing is basically about this guy who now says he's this believer. He says he's this like, you know, yeah, there's something going on. Yeah, they have materials that they can't explain. They have all this stuff. And, dude, it's like half of this stuff is just, like, looking at the bullshit meter and being, like, how heavily is the dial, like, yeah. going off for this particular thing and this particular guy. And there's something about this dude, and I hate to say this, but I really – I don't use this word very often, but he was punchable. Like, he had a face that, like, as he was talking <laughs> about the lies that he gave this guy that led him to kill himself, he was like – smiling out the side of his Ooh. mouth, like really cringy stuff and just very, um, he seemed almost, I think you'd have a field day with this because he seemed like a real Freudian pervert who was getting some sort of libidinal pleasure out of um, infiltrating the UFO community in a way that, that uh, it got him off. Yes. A little well, you'd, you'd probably need to have a perverse structure to do that kind of job well, you know, but yeah. 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 Any, any, uh, what do you got? Oh yeah, no, I was going to say, what was I going to say? Um, because you saw I was thinking of something. Um, oh. Whoa. Oh, it's, they're here. <laughs> they're here. <laughs> it's happened. That was um, a big one. Yeah. What was that? Oh, you hear them all the time. People have fireworks. They okay. always fire fireworks off. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah, it's yeah, gunshots. Yeah. What was I going to say? Um, when you were talking about the guy and the liar, I've, it's gone completely out of my oh. head, so keep going. But yeah. there was something in my head, but keep going. Drove this guy mad, essentially, uh, would, and, and, and they've, there's theories that they'll do this kind of thing to a lot of different people. They call them, you know, useful idiots, essentially, and they will spread misinformation about UFOs in order. And so you have people in the public, like Tom DeLonge, former lead singer of Blink-182, uh, who is started the To The Stars Academy. There's a theory that he basically was fed all this crazy information. And what they'll do is they'll go, well, you kind of are starting to see what's going on? Like, you're starting to really get it. Well, why don't you come with us? We'll actually show you. Um, we'll show you some stuff that's yeah. going to really blow your mind and we'll tell you some things. And they earn their trust and then use them to kind of continue to propagate this, yeah. this lie. Is propagate the right word? Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, useful idiot's a great term. I think it's a Leninist term. It comes from, I think it's Lenin, but it's a, you see it in politics, all the useful idiots are the people who, who political parties use. I saw this with some religious leaders became useful idiots for a political party, don't really understand things, and then can be used to propagate. You know? So yeah, useful idiots is a great term. I love it. Yeah. The thing, by the way, I was going to say on this is my one, although maybe it'll derail, I'll say it very quickly, we can come back to it. Is There's no rail. The main, the main concern is simply, right, imagine there are these materials that they have and there are these UFOs. The big thing that you have to think 
is that you have to have a very strange notion of what human beings are like. People can't keep a secret. You have two people in a room together and they've just one person knows somebody had an affair. It's going to come out. Things come out. So if there's like a hundred, even a hundred people working in some secret laboratory who have got kids, wives, mistresses, kind of their other partners, all of this, and and also who have terminal illnesses and and uh, are retired and all of that, the idea that that a secret can be kept, like it's like this is one of the main things against the the moon landing, except for all the other evidence, is the amount of people who would have to not say anything is just very hard to conceptualize. My friend of ours worked for um, uh, Ministry of Defense in the Sudan for a while, and she worked in the, in the government stuff. And she said, when you see what it's like on the inside, you go, no one's in control. It's just a mess mm -hmm. and people, you know, so I, yeah. it's like Veep or um, in the yeah. thick of it. So that's my only thing is how do they explain that? How well, do they keep this stuff quiet? <laughs> well, my understanding is that the defense against that, the counterpoint, is that they have they have done it. Like they have kept secrets for a time, and they have lied, and they have that. Like not every conspiracy theory has been proven to just be a crackpot theory, uh, and so the logic is then you know it's one small step to go from uh, to go from this thing that we know to have been a conspiracy, that we know that the government has lied about this. They go, well, if they can lie about that, they can yeah. lie about everything. Now, I also have my own crackpot theory yeah. here that is, is because I was thinking about this when I was watching one of these um, these documentaries and I was like, what? Like, because it doesn't make sense. Like, you're right. It doesn't make sense for, for this thing to be some grand conspiracy hiding extraterrestrial life. Where, but, like, some engineer isn't drunk one night with their partner, really drunk and sitting there and going, like, okay, I have to tell you this. Yeah. I work for you with UFOs. You yeah. know, like, it's like the idea that, that nobody, that hasn't happened once, or someone who's dying on their deathbed and they're like saying to their kids, or they've they've written a letter yeah. to say you know it's it's very hard for me to imagine that that wouldn't happen totally. You know? um, it's a big uh, conundrum. Now yeah. I don't think that means it can't happen. No, it can't happen. Yes, it's just a, it's just a, one has to have a good explanation. I it's think. a leap. Yeah. yeah, and I also this is where I go. This is where I come back to the mm -hmm. the psychological you know sort of uh, part. Uh, I also think it's interesting. Okay, that. The, and this is this leads to this book, which I'm having a good time reading, and it's called Wonders in the Sky. And uh, because I'm curious about this subject, and basically it chronicles um, 500 uh, cases of um, what would uh, logically be described as what we describe now as a UFO of some kind, some mm -hmm. sort of um, uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon that people see, and uh, it tends to change their psychology. It tends to make them a different sort of human. This is all like consistent with modern day UFO stories. When people talk about abductions, people talk about um, previous in other cultures and previously it's like you have uh, sleep paralysis or you have a shadow person or you have the old hag or you have the jack-o'-lantern or you have the wispa-willow or whatever his name is, wispa-willy or something like that. And so this book kind of goes through and makes the, the claim, the wisp one. The, who's the wisp Willow wisp. Willow the wisp. Willow the oh, wisp, yeah. yeah. Um, did I find, I found you said, it. You said wisp willy? Wispy willy. <laughs> or something wispy willy. Like, you know, I don't know. wispy that's, willy, that's Jackie Lanties, uh, <laughs> ghouls and goblies. Uh, and so, yeah, all that stuff is like the same, follows the same sort of structure as a UFO. What happens with the UFO community and the UFO culture is according, and this is Jacques Valley's, I think, uh, sort of thing in Jacques, Jacques Valley, and I'm sure I'm butchering that name. He's the guy that um, the character in Close Encounters of the Third Kind is based on. He's a French guy. He doesn't have a lot of patience for a lot of the extraterrestrial theories surrounding uh, UFOs because he views that as a um, sort of like an interpretation of some sort of event that has roots in history that is culturally defined. So like we see aliens and assume a spacecraft, other people saw uh, chariots of dragons and chariots of fire and like all that kind of stuff. So people see all these things and then they, there's moments all throughout history, but we go, oh no, the UFOs, that only started in the 1940s after World War II. And it's like, no, people have been seeing and experiencing anomalous things throughout history. 
And it's only now that we, because we live in an age of science and an age of science fiction that we just interpret it and we don't realize we're just interpreting it. We assume that it's extraterrestrial, but it only takes, like you're saying, two seconds to be like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So he's not saying, because have you heard of cargo religions? Very, no. you know, really in, very briefly, because um, is the idea that some of these Pacific islands during the Second World War, uh, the American military flew over them and sometimes landed on these islands. And these people encountered these cargo planes and often cargo drops of food. And they met these American soldiers and they started religions around these, like around the planes and around yep. the American soldiers because the technology was so foreign and they're called cargo religions. That's funny. But I kind of, some of these writers, it, it feels like they think that all religions are cargo religions in that there's some extraterrestrials have kind of like flown yes. over the earth and kind of created the major religions. And whenever the Hebrew scriptures speak about the yep. seraphim or whatever, what they're really describing or revelation when they describe these these, these monsters, what they're describing is potentially uh, unexplained aerial phenomenon. That's um, exactly So correct. basically we, we are the victims of aerial, of, of, we're all in cargo religions. Yes, and yeah. if you look yeah. at then, if you follow that theory to its end and you go, oh, okay, what major religion hasn't been affected or even formed by some sort of anomalous event that happened? I mean, if you think about Mary, uh, you think about Constantine, Columbus saw lights when he was approaching the uh, Americas. Um, all of these major events, these epochs in human history have oftentimes started with people being like, I saw something, I had a vision, I was communicated with, something was, you know, whatever. Now, I obviously enjoy this because I've seen a shadow person, Gary is what his name is, uh, but it's one of those things where you go, okay, yeah, that's sleep paralysis, you have nothing to worry about. And then just going through the history of it, I'm like, oh, this is a very um, robust sort of uh, like idea. I, I don't necessarily think, and this is what brings it back to what you're saying about um, the conspiracy aspect of it. I think that when people read stuff like this and they go, oh, well, that's just aliens. There's yeah. been aliens. It's like the ancient aliens theory of like, oh, yeah, you can go through history and you can see on the hieroglyphics. So there's a UFO stuff, which sometimes they look remarkably similar to UFOs and it's a little weird. And sometimes I'm like, that's fake. Yeah. That was drawn after the fact yeah. and photoshopped. And some of them are legit. And you're like, okay, well, who knows what that could be? Could be a comet, could be all that stuff. There is always a yeah. prosaic interpretation that you could latch onto. I don't think that's as fun, but whatever. So here's my theory. Okay. Now this is- And then I want to come back to that. Yeah, quick, you can go and keep going. Well, oh, I can yeah. hold on to this one. Oh yeah, I'll hold on to that for a second. I'll just comment on that, which is interesting. This is why kind of theologians like Karl Barth and uh, Paul Tillich and various theologians throughout history have actually always been against the idea of religious experience as being an experience of something where you see something or you feel something because they say that is actually at the level of reality and the level of a cargo religion basically and that actually religious experience isn't an experience of anything it's what transforms your experience of everything so as soon as you have an experience where you see something or feel something that's by definition not a religious experience you can get that by taking drugs or bungee jumping and so religious experience by definition is not something you experience in the world but rather a, a different way of experiencing the world and that gets around the idea that all religions were started by ufos because um because the these theologians go yeah no if you see something in the sky and you start worshiping it that's uh that's not religion because religion is not about god as some reality that you can touch but rather the ground of all reality that um you participate in does that make sense anyway. yeah i mean kind of but we're talking about specific like events though yes. right so you're saying a religious so superstition yeah we have so like proper proper like an incident that happens that can alter but you're saying it's not the incident that's altering it or by definition it's not religious if it alters you because it's very natural if you saw something that's yeah well yeah partly kind of saying that interestingly conservative theologians like someone like Karl Barth conservative neo-orthodox he would say and it sounds so counterintuitive that any religious experience or any religion that is based on any form of experience is by definition superstition. Well, yeah, right? It's, yeah, but, but it sounds counterintuitive because you go like, oh no, religious experience, but you feel something, you feel ecstasy or you, you, know, you feel a oneness with the universe or this or that. The numinosum. So, yeah, whereas, yeah. <laughs> whereas he's kind of almost saying that it is a, um, it's an event that's, does not happen at the level of some sort of 
sensory thing. Um, yeah, so you're saying that, is that, okay, I'm confused, is that? Sorry, I shouldn't, I mean, it's not even that relevant, but it's just interesting, I just thought like, when people say, oh, religions are born out of, out of these, ex these mm -hmm. experiences, you go like, well, no, technically superstitions are built out of, you know. Sounds like a very nuanced. It's a, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, forget it, keep, let's keep moving. But I'm interested in what you have to say, because what I'm about to say is, is mm. absolute crackpot. Mm. Um, but this is, I was just having fun, you know, I just have a little fun, I'm just sitting there watching these documentaries, like, that guy seems like he's full of shit, that guy yeah. doesn't seem like he's full of shit, a lot of these guys seem like, okay, he's swept up in, okay, all right, and I'm trying to keep my objective glasses on as best I can, but then I was like, let's just make some stuff up. This is a, a myth, it is the UFO mythology, why in the world would the government, let's say that they're right, Let's say that the UFO conspiracy theorists or the UFOlogists are correct, uh, whatever you want to call them. Um, they, they, that the government has uh, has not wanted to to discuss these types of things, assuming that they're there. Okay. And so by the way, by the government, you obviously mean a very small cabal within the government. Not you're not talking about the president and the president's people. This and, is going to get and, into that. Yeah. Okay. Because if, if Nancy Pelosi knows about it or whatever, exactly. right? Yeah. So, so a cabal within the government? Yes. Right. Now, specifically, probably the military-industrial complex. Okay. But how many people? Because not that many. We're talking about deep state. There's a deep state group. I think that's outsourced. Yeah, but that's my my own. That's okay. part of the theory is that it's outsourced um, to private firms because yeah, no one in the government can keep it a secret unless you're getting paid to keep it a secret. Whereas private firms are going to be able to keep it a secret. Money. You don't think you could keep a secret if I paid you enough money? If I if I have a hundred if a hundred people know the secret, one of them's going to go. I can make more money, no matter how much you pay me. I can make more money by going to the press with what I know. Do you think that's true? Or so that's probably you get or, lambasted. You would get you can't as a pilot. You can't say that you see anything because you get grounded. Like it's not exactly a welcoming environment, at least in America, for people who say that they're into this stuff. Okay, well, so say say there's this private firm, right? So, and, and we know, right? Put my tinfoil hat on. <laughs> so I've got a few options, right? Yeah. So one is, could I make more money by just stealing a hard drive and showing it to the press? Two, maybe I'm dying of terminal illness. Do I want to clear my conscience before I die? Three, am I trying to impress some man or woman about what I do and they think I'm pathetic, so I want to, while I'm drunk, say, I work with UFOs, mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. suddenly go, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. But like, if you have 100 people, the idea that one of them's not going to do that is difficult. But even what if they are doing that and we just don't hear about it? Like, it's very hard to find people who haven't, people who have had these types of experiences seem to be everywhere. Like, they, they seem to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's almost like the what I the impression I got pre the disclosure or whatever you want to call it the report was people being like it doesn't matter like they can say it's real say it's not real people they're so steadfast and it already being uh, known that it's like people when they someone does come out it's just sort of like that's oh, one more person it's like yeah yeah, yeah okay that yeah. fits into it I wonder if it's this is where it gets into a strange belief structure. Yeah. It's a belief system. But I'm guessing that these people would have, if there was a company, they'd have evidence. But then we keep going. So there's a there's a grip, government grip or an outsource grip. They have the information. Keep going. Well, now, okay. Right. Yes. Now, here's my theory. Right. Uh, not really a theory. Who gets elected? Uh, who, who makes up the president and the House and the Senate and all that stuff? It's people who, more or less, are elected by the public. Correct? Mm -hmm. Right? So... And who was it that uh, requested the report? People who uh, were elected by the public, implying that the people who are elected by the people don't know. The president doesn't know. Congress doesn't know. They're literally going, tell us what's going on with these UAPs. Seems like something's up. Like that was one of the funniest people said about Trump, by the way. They were like going like, when Trump gets in, there's no way he's going to be able to keep that a secret. Like everyone's going like, if if there are UFOs and Trump hears about that, yeah. there's no way he's not going to say it. <laughs> right. So, so we can be pretty sure the president doesn't know. Yes. Because otherwise, I think we would know. Oh, I think we'd know. <laughs> I think we'd know. We won't go back to that useful idiot phrase again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, we would know for sure. And uh, and he would tell us because that's, yeah, I mean, again, yeah. this is going back into the extraterrestrials versus UFOs. Oh, yeah. that's anyway, so but they don't know. Right. But yeah. in the UFO myth, so they don't know. However, who goes into... Uh, the military, who goes into the armed forces typically. I would argue it's people who are patriots. Mm -hmm. And what do people who are patriots tend to believe? They tend to have what kind of worldview? 
a Judeo-Christian worldview. Okay. These people go who have a Judeo-Christian worldview have, uh, you know, they come in contact with this thing they can't explain. They get freaked out by it. Would their interpretation be extraterrestrials? Or would it be a religiously oriented interpretation that says to them, uh-oh, uh, we can't mess with this out of like, this is gonna, this is gonna break the worldview essentially too much if there's aliens or if there's any kind of thing, we have to make sure this kept secret. So that I think is a motivating factor, a religiously oriented conspiracy, not necessarily a, oh, the public will panic. I wonder if there's not a disclosure, this is just fun, I'm just having fun here. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, listen, this is fun. There is not a effort to hide from the American public the truth. There is an effort to hide themselves from it. And is it only the Americans who have this alien technology? Or are we talking about, because there's lots of other countries that aren't Judeo-Christian. Lots of other countries have it, and lots of other countries have happened to be more open about these experiences. Is that right? Yeah. Like what countries? France. So what's France said? France, they released some report. One of them said, one of the UAPs listed said that uh, American Airlines pilot uh, had a close, a near miss with uh, a UFO the size of a 747 and jerked the plane uh, to the left and it caused like 10 injuries and 84 people on the plane were jostled around for a little bit. And that, and that's, and that's like, a definitive proof. I mean, none yes. of it's going to be definitive proof. <laughs> no, we were talking about a belief, you know, structure yeah. here. But uh, yeah, I just think it's I fascinate. Yeah. So, with, yeah, so that's interesting. You're saying like the Judeo-Christian and patriotic thing you think would play into it in some sort of way. I mean, I know that if I was in a, like truly believing in a spiritual dimension of the world and then saw something that I couldn't explain... I don't know necessarily that I would jump to extraterrestrials. And even if I did, I don't know that I would jump to, we need to keep this a secret because people can't handle it. Uh, it seems like plausible that there could be, yeah, a panic associated that's bigger than what we assume it to be. It's not like the government being like, we're gonna keep them in a little bunker all the time. Um, now, do I think that's as likely as it all being made up? Because when the, the government's big and amorphous and people make it into a big other and assume that it's like got all these layers to it and it's all complex, I think absolutely that's, mm. you know, 100% part of it. But I believe that there's something going on yeah. and has been. I think you're, where we separate, I think, is I don't need to be on board with the extraterrestrial theory at all. But I, don't, I think you don't, my impression is that you don't believe that these things happen. Well, they, they definitely happen. But whether they can be explained through kind of like not normal means mm -hmm. or not, or whether, yeah. So, yeah, because you're right, like definitely people have experiences and also things are recorded on on in, uh, uh, hard drives and yeah. with with cameras. Borderline um, experiences, is that what they're called? Like border, borderline? Is that what that'd be called? Borderline experience? I'm not sure. It's sort of like the, you know, you're, you're a little on the edge of the... Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Oh, yeah. And okay, yeah. Reality slips into, you're not quite, you see, you think you see something, but you're not really seeing something. Yeah. Okay. That, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Borderline experience. Yeah, I think you're right with that definition. But yeah. I just What's don't. interesting about this book, they stop, um, they, they quit recording. They don't include anything after like the year 1870 or something because they were like, that's when balloons came up, came around. Uh, and they were right. like, when humanity started, they like, no, they're like, the first flight took place this year. And then they started, humans were going into the sky as early as this year in balloons. And so they cut off all of the reports because they wanted to minimize the prosaic interpretations and only keep it to things that, that were prior to planes in the air or stealth bombers or that kind of thing. Yeah. See, I mean, the, the key thing for me, like taking it away from UFOs for a second and just thinking about what is, what do I think is the core of a conspiracy theory? And it's, it's, and we've talked about this before, but it's the belief that behind the, behind the kind of the veil, there is a small group of people, some big other, some group that have this insight um, and that we feel this group is everywhere and nowhere, mm -hmm. right? So they're, they're, they've got, power everywhere, they've got influence everywhere, but you can't point at them, they're, they're there and they're not there. And so, and that this, this is very appealing, this, this notion is a very psychologically appealing position. Yep. And a friend of mine, you know, he, a friend of mine got really into the 9-11 stuff uh, when it happened, you know, that it was an inside job. Um, and 
it was interesting. He got really into it when his business was collapsing and uh, he was in a very bad place, very, very stressed. He was very out of control in his relationship life and in his financial life. And he got really into 9-11. He's not even from here, uh, from America. Uh, and it was interesting to me how at this point when everything, certain things in his life were falling apart that he had yep. no control over, he he had this real knowledge of the truth. He had the, of this, of, of what happened at 9-11. Secret truth. Secret yeah. truth. And the funny thing is, because I talk to him now about it, is like he kind of, when he kind of came out of it, he kind of was almost going, I kind of believed it and I kind of didn't. It just felt like it was a structuring, a structuring story that allowed a certain level of control. Now, I'm not saying it's the same with the UFO stuff, but 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 it's, there's the same structure. It's like there's all this thing you can point to, like would, would, would you know, buildings fall like that? Which is always difficult whenever you're not an engineer. Because if you know you heard mm -hmm. so like, you know, those buildings are falling in such a way that it looks like there are explosives. Well, that sounds plausible to me only because I have no idea about how buildings fall. Yeah, <laughs> never studied you're just a, Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. all dummies and we'll be like, well, yeah, I guess it should tip over like a tree. Yeah. And then the but the big and the big thing is, of course, how many people would have to be involved to make a conspiracy like that happen again to not speak of it? And that's 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 it's always a little bit of a thing for me is if there's a massive conspiracy like like aliens have been visiting the world for the since time immemorial and have made contact with various governments or have had crashed vehicles. Um, the idea that that potentially tens of thousands of people minimum would know about this and yet we wouldn't have any concrete evidence bar fuzzy pictures and, and you know, but that doesn't disprove it. It doesn't disprove yeah. it. But, you know, that's... It doesn't disprove it, but mm -hmm. that's also sort of the disclaimer at the end because really it is a leap. I mean, I also think my what I always have come back to here with any of this stuff is even if you get into the realm of belief in general, even if it's not, even if it's a conspiracy theory or religion or a political party that you're whatever or a political ideology, you if you believe anything hard enough it, or if you get interested in it hard enough, it is as if that reality becomes real. Like it assimilates into your brain and it becomes, it crystallizes into this lens that you see everything through. Like, so I think anything, like if you were to go into, um, if you look at astrology, if you look at Christianity, if you look at uh, UFOs or the 9-11, especially something like 9-11, like you buy, and I think we're so dumb uh, where it's like, if we sit there, like I'll read this book and be like, well, this is a book. And this means that it's like, it's written. And so if I read it, then it seems like it it matters. Like mm -hmm. it seems like it means something when in actuality, it doesn't. It's like the same thing on Twitter where you read people's words and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. And it, it, it has such a, it carries more weight when you're seeing text as though people really like, like put thought behind it. And you're yeah. like, oh no, you can just, anything you can believe anything and yeah. it eventually will become your lens and so it's very it's kind of i like that a little bit i think it's fun and it adds a certain vibrancy of to life if you can just go well i like i enjoy this this is what i believe and it can be harmless uh until you, you know you start getting sucked into sort of weird 9-11 things or flat earth things even the flat earth thing you can sit there and read through those things and it's like wow these people really do they really believe this mm. They yeah. actually believe that the earth is flat and they have proof. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, there's so Anselm once said, I think it's Anselm, maybe it goes before him, but a few other people have said it, that you believe in order to understand. And what he kind of means is if you have a traumatic event, he'd call it a revelation or a trauma, doesn't matter, but an event that is so overwhelming that you can't articulate it. So an event that, over, that saturates you basically, which changes you bodily, but you can't speak or even you don't speak. Mm -hmm. So that's what a trauma is really. A trauma is a, an event that happens that that you lack the sim a symbolic net to mm -hmm. ca capture them. So when a trauma happens or an event happens, then what we do is we, we find a belief system that can help us get a foothold on the experience and help us begin to make sense of it. And the reason why I'm saying that is I think sometimes whenever there's a traumatic event in our lives, 
that we cannot put language to. We depend, and it just depends what's around. We just look for anything, whether it's a religion or whether it's mm-hmm. a conspiracy theory, that can help us put words to the trauma. So, for example, at a very concrete level, if someone has, suffers from psychosis and they feel this sense of always being gazed upon, they feel this look, this over proximity of something other, then putting it into some sort of Jewish conspiracy where there's this Jewish community who control everything, the educational establishment, the media, et cetera, et cetera, is a way for them to put Mm -hmm. words to a traumatic event that they don't have a symbolic frame for. So I'm not saying that that, because that's not everybody who's into 9-11 or UFOs or anything like that, but I do think all of us do it to a certain extent is if there's something traumatic in our lives that we can't speak, weirdly for my friend, my friend who got into 9-11, there was a trauma happened, he went bankrupt. Um, Everything collapsed in the 2008 recession. Um, He couldn't conceptualize the collapse of his entire world, which included then his relationships, his his alcoholism, all this stuff happened. And so in order to try to make sense of everything, the 9-11 conspiracy somehow allowed him. him. What's that? Hooked him. Hooked him and gave him a sense of both a sense of kind of order, but also a distrust in the government because the whole system collapsed, the whole system failed him. So like he, like here, if it's not to get too psychoanalytic, but he was the twin towers. He felt that, that, that he was destroyed by, by a system and that system wasn't taking responsibility. And he was, so this would say, let's say that was his trauma. His entire world collapsed. And it's to do with governments, it's to do with private industry, all of this stuff. Everyone denying responsibility and he wanted to find in his own life someone to blame. And that all of that trauma attached to the 9-11 truth mm-hmm. movement until he was gradually able to put words to his trauma and then he was no longer a truther. That's excellent. Yeah, um, yeah, I think uh, in the union framework, there is the idea of projection that happens, and these ideas like 9-11 are um, suitable. They have suitable hooks for people to project their trauma and anxiety yeah. onto that they have yet to uh, assimilate into the whole of their personality. And I think it's the same idea of just being like, oh, yeah, something in something in the Twin Towers going down, something in UFOs landing, something in... Um, believing only in in rational science and materialistic worldviews. Something about all these things can become perfect for us to be able to to sort of process things through. Yeah. Um, I was reminded, I don't like talking about this very much, and this might get cut out, but the, because um, I was thinking about trauma, you're talking about bankruptcy and losing relationships and that stuff. But I was thinking about the Lee situation with the Valley folk and all that. And I was like, that would be the closest I've experienced in recent years to anything that would be considered traumatic. And I was trying to think about that in terms, as you were describing sort of the things. And I remember when that was happening, being like, there's this massive wave of hate uh, coming. And then I latched on to sort of a psychological framework to sort of make sense of it. And I did the, I sort of tried to go, oh, there's, there's people coming at me right now every day because they're, they've projected onto, you know, this group, they've projected onto me, they've projected onto Lee and the others. And it's, it's you know, that's, um, they're, work, they're, they're, they're working through something, but that framework did not sustain my, me very well because the more I got into it and the more I started learning about psychology and about, or at least this particular type of psychology, I was like, oh, there's, there's a reason that that projection was happening in the first place. There is something to, there is a truth to the, the, the hatred and the vitriol that was coming my way. I wasn't able to process that in a way that was really confronting it. And so I put it sort of all on, on the audience or, or on the uh, rest of the, the Valley folk. And so I was sort of trying to like balance this whole thing. And then only later when I was like, really looking at sort of the, the identified patient thing that we talked mm-hmm. about a couple of weeks ago, like going, oh, okay, that makes more sense. It was, it's not just projection that like, I'm this innocent sort of good guy. It's, there's a reason that they're, that they're angry. And then I was like, oh, 
I was like, that's great. Like it, it did help. It switched over the entire yeah. thing in my brain where now I'm like, good. Like let people be angry, let people be pissed off. And it was only, it took a year of being, of really kind of just going, oh, this is just, uh, this is just this happening. This is just this happening. You know, and it really what it is, is it's other, you know, and it's like every, every solution I came up with in my head, uh, uh, absolved me of of the the uh, pain yeah, that was yeah, associated yeah. with it. Yeah. So that's yes. my. Um, it's not quite the twin towers, but it yeah. was. Uh, uh, I was like, oh, this is this is a metaphor that makes sense. This yeah. actually works. So no, absolutely, it works. I mean, I've seen an example recently. I talked to a parent who was so afraid of their child being hurt um, that I had to kind of ask in a subtle way, you know. Do you want to hurt your child? Right. So they were, they were, they were imagining, you know. Don't take this the wrong don't way. Don't take this the wrong way. You know, you had to find a very subtle way to say it. But you know, they're imagining strangers wanting to hurt their child. They were fantasizing about what they would do to a stranger if they hurt their just, child. Yeah. Yeah. But we hear that in parents all if anybody ever did, I would just Oh yeah, it's very interesting, you know, I'd what's going them. on there. Yeah. Um, but this and and what was interesting is that this individual, like they, of course, because any parent doesn't want it, they love their child. But obviously all parents get angry and frustrated at their child. But if you don't symbolize that, if you're not able to be honest about when you're angry and frustrated at your child and you completely deny it, you give it no symbolic register, you give it no space at that in, in, in that dimension, it, it returns in the real. So you imagine and you fantasize somebody killing your child. Now you imagine it in a, and you're horrified by it, but it's a you're caught up in this imagination of your child yeah. falling down or falling off a cliff. And it's only whenever you're able to say, sometimes I'm, I'm really angry at my child and sometimes I wish they didn't exist. And you, you even let yourself say that. But the irony is not because you want that, but because that's, a, there's, of course, because you're a human being, mm -hmm. there's times when you feel that anger. But obviously we defend ourselves against that. But when we defend ourselves against that, that thing that's unspoken finds another thing to hang on to. Like yeah. I say, my friend, he was he was the one who was collapsing and he he found something in the Twin Towers collapsing. He finds some way to externalize that internal trauma. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then you move forward and you go through life. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the trick is, and I say this, because it makes it sound like I'm saying if, that like if you're into UFOs or I'm into something, it's because of that. It's like, no, because you could still then, once you work through that, one can still believe, but one is not libidinally invested in it. Like you, you're kind of like, yeah. going, oh, I think, I think this might happen. I look at the evidence, I'm interested. It's the difference between whether one needs to believe, whether one's getting some surplus value out of the belief, yeah. or whether it's just an interest, you know? Exactly, it's when, uh, it's the difference between going, is it, this is a fun, this is a nice thing yeah. to talk about, and then me going, your approach is reductive, and therefore did it, and I'm like, well, why would it, it, it could be reductive. It is, but it, like, it, the situation, is able to be reduced. So yeah. it's like, uh, I am a big fan of like it being both all the time. Like, yeah. you know, maybe, I don't know anything about the 9-11 conspiracy. I'm certainly not gonna look into it, but I've yeah. heard and seen enough that it's a surprisingly still kind of popular conspiracy theory, it feels like, where yeah. people kind of just, certain people go through and they just go, all right, uh, they accept it as reality, like, just and they walk with it. Yeah. And same with the UFO thing, where it's like you, like if it's um, sort of like that. I think it's like a Louis C.K. bit or something about um, people who bomb abortion clinics. Oh, yeah. And he's like, if you really believe yeah. that, then that's a logical thing to do. Yeah. So it's like, well, if you really believe that all of this is happening, why wouldn't you be shouting it from the rooftops? Yeah. And then some people do, and then they get sort of you know. Yeah. And that and that's the trick for me. What are the hints? Right. So you you have to look for the symptoms of of whether say ufology is has a has a psychoanalytic dimension in a or a path. Let's call it a pathological dimension, or whether it's non pathological. And for me, one of the one of the one of the hints is whether is whether the person's tyrannized by certainty or not. So if you're into say UFOs, but you're actually into all sides and you have doubts and you question it and you enjoy that, that's a sign that it's non-pathological. It still might have a psychological use, but it's non-pathological. If you're tyrannized by certainty, like you know it's true and everybody who, who disagrees is either working for the government or is deluded or is whatever, and that's a sign that there's a pathological dimension to the, to the belief in anything, whatever it is. 
And this cuts to me in the documentary right now going, and that was the moment I knew Pete worked for the government because <laughs> he said, uh, I don't know, just say, you know, you might think the person works for the government. Or That's an interesting thing that you said first. Yeah. Hmm. Bit yeah. of a double bluff there. Exactly, another double bluff. <laughs> I love it. In Peep Show, I loved it when Jazz says to Mark, like, you know, he says, uh, do you, tell me, do you ever, you know, do the washing up without washing up liquid? And he says, why are you asking us? And he says, well, first of all, I'm in this thing and it's not a pyramid scheme. And Mark goes, you're in a pyramid scheme. He says, no, I said it's not a pyramid yeah, scheme. Yeah. He's like, if you open up by saying something is not a pyramid scheme, Probably it's could, definitely a pyramid definitely scheme. A pyramid scheme. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not working for the government. Um, oh God, I didn't even keep watching the show. No, uh, I restarted it recently. Yeah. Do you start in the beginning and just make your way through? Yeah, right the way through, start to finish. They're all good, all yeah. hits, no misses there. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think we've rambled yeah, enough. I, I had really a good time. Enjoyed thank you for letting me, uh, uh, and thank you guys for letting me ramble on about it. But again, we're going to move on to some more cycling, you know heavier stuff. I, yeah, but I said that and joked about that at the beginning. But you know what? The old UFO episode, I it's good fun. We, you, Weezer and UFOs, anytime you want to pull out the Weezer Great. or the UFO card, you're welcome to. Well, as long as I can pull out the odd philosophy, technical philosophy card. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> We're going to do deconstruction As long as I sometime. can pull out the old what this podcast is about card, essentially. <laughs> um, yeah, Weezer released a new song a couple weeks ago, and I'm just like tired. I was like, guys, you got to calm down. That's the most, he's the most prolific. So is it good, by the way? Should I? Well, good you? and whether I like it are two separate uh, questions, but I do like it. It's okay. uh, it's pretty silly. He, 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 uh, takes a swing at Pitchfork, which I, I really like. Is that a band, Pitchfork? Or? Um, it's a news uh, website huh. um, that's kind of known to be very uppity and not friendly toward Weezer. Yeah. Sort of like musical, <laughs> snobby, hipsterish kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, I don't know. It's just funny that, you know, grown guy. That's like Kierkegaard in the Corsair effect. He Kierkegaard had a paper that he edited him and he would write against the paper and the paper would write against him. Yeah, yeah that's good. It's yeah. fun. You got to have something to bounce off yeah. against. Um, thank you, everybody. If you would like to thank see you. the first part of this, you can go to patreon.com slash the fundamentalist. You can also read my paper on UFOs and cultural complex theory if you're so inclined. And um, anything? Oh, can I plug a show? Please. do. I'm going to be in Orlando and Tampa very soon, rather Tampa and Orlando on July 13th and 14th. Tampa Improv and Orlando Improv, and you can get tickets at elliotmorgan.com slash tour, and I'd love to see you. Okay, and I want to talk to you about doing a live event at a little venue one block away from where I live. Perfect. What are the odds that it's right next to where Pete lives? <laughs> All right, bye, everybody. Bye-bye.